Chapter 36, Control. Luke 23, 20 and 21. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. One of the worst things about pain is the constancy of it. When you sustain an acute blunt force trauma injury, it doesn't just hurt really bad for a minute and then subside. It throbs and becomes the only thing you can think about until you manage to do something to numb or dull that pain. In other words, getting punched in the face doesn't just hurt when the fist hits you. It hurts for a few days. It hurts every time you clench your jaw or open your mouth to speak. One time, I accidentally slammed my thumb into the corner of a massive solid wood door. The door crushed my thumb like a bug and knocked that thumbnail right off. It was one moment of stupidity that became the only thing I could think about for hours and then days. I remember thinking silently to the pain in my thumb. Okay, I get it. I did something stupid, but can't we just move on? Will you please stop hurting now? You can't just move on, though, because pain isn't like a flare or fireworks. Pain is more like a campfire burning slow and hot. Only you can't just pour water on it and make it stop. Sickness and pain have a way of making a person feel helpless. For Jesus, the entirety of his last night was all about pain. From the time he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane until he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem the next morning, our Lord was beaten, mocked, humiliated, tortured by different groups in various places throughout the night. For his bewildered and broken-hearted disciples, Jesus must have seemed completely helpless as he was bound and led away into the dark by the troop of soldiers. For the soldiers themselves, it must have been confusing. I mean, why were there so many of them? Clearly, the size of their force was overkill for putting down the resistance of this little band of 12 fanatics. And in the end, besides the one errant sword swipe, no one even put up a fight. This detachment of hundreds of soldiers wound up only taking one man, the leader. I'm not sure whether or not any of those soldiers or temple guards were present through all the events of the night, but if one or more of them were there, they were probably pretty confused. When you read everything the Gospels tell us about Jesus' various trials over the next few hours, one question begins to emerge. Who in the world is really in charge here. As Jesus changed hands and was delivered into the custody of different authorities throughout the night and the ensuing morning, no one calling the shots seems to be both able and willing to pull the trigger on Jesus' fate. If any guards were there for all the trials, they would probably say that between the high priests, the governor Pilate, and Herod himself, no one really knew who was running the show. The religious leadership knew they wanted to kill Jesus, but they had no actual power to carry out their wishes. Herod merely wanted to see some miracles worked in front of his own eyes in his parlor. But Jesus wasn't a sideshow act. He didn't do any magic tricks, and in fact, he never even opened his mouth for Herod. 
Pilate was the only person who had the power to sentence Jesus or to let him go. But Pilate didn't seem in control of the situation either. Pilate looked like he was along for the ride. He listened to the leadership. He listened to Herod. He listened to Jesus. And he listened to his own wife. Pilate goes back and forth, tossed by public opinion one moment, then pulled by his own personal conviction the next. He held the power, but he was completely out of control. If you were just a spectator, who would you say was in control? Certainly not the leadership, because all their hopes and schemes were at the mercy of Pilate. Their precarious plans were as shaky as a leaf, and they had to play their cards just right. But surely not Pilate either, because everything he tried to do to bring about the release of Jesus had backfired. Jesus was falsely accused, unjustly tried, beaten and tortured, and then finally sentenced to the worst possible death a person could face. He was humiliated and marred beyond all recognition. He was suffering in unbelievable ways. He had endured a horrific night where he was in constant pain, probably shaking and convulsing, a huddled mass of agony. And yet, Jesus was pulling the strings. Surely, none of the soldiers would have recognized the truth. Certainly, Pilate, Herod, and the leadership were blind to the fact I doubt anyone recognized the proofs of Jesus' command over the events of those unspeakable hours. We only see it in hindsight, but it was true. Though he seemed to be in the grip of helplessness and in the clutches of outrageous pain, Jesus was in total control. Every single person and moment was following a script that had been written for hundreds of years and plotted from before the foundation of the world. As Isaiah 53 had said 700 years earlier, he was being oppressed and afflicted, but he didn't open his mouth. He was bearing our grief and healing us with every stripe. He wasn't just dying. He was pouring out his life unto death on purpose that he might divide the spoils with the strong and have a portion among the great. So often, I'm like Pilate. I think I'm in control of my own little world. I see myself as more powerful than I am, as if I set the course of lives by my actions. Or I am like those religious leaders, desperately clinging to selfish plans and working every angle to make them land. Yet Jesus is here, in the room, unsuspectingly orchestrating absolutely everything according to his own purpose. He can't be thwarted or turned out in any way. Even when it seems like all is lost and hope is gone, the Christ is in control. He is drawing his net ever tighter and will one day reveal that everything in all creation is under his jurisdiction absolutely. That I'm not in control of anything. But praise the Lord, he is. And he is constantly, consistently, turning and moving everything for our very best. Or as the Apostle Paul said, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. For more, get to a quiet place. Read Luke 23, 1 through 25 and Isaiah 53. 
What does it mean for you that in spite of all the terror Jesus experienced, he was still in control, always calling the shots? What does it mean to you that he was doing all of this to secure his relationship with you? Does it comfort you to know that even now, no matter how out of control things seem, Jesus is still working everything together for your best? Tell him about it.